The studio feels properly festive this evening. The room is bedecked with paper chains, tinsel and bunting. The latter is simultaneously jolly, bright and totally disappointing to dead meat. When it was explained to him that this is not a misspelling, a table in the corner creaks under the weight of the remains of the carcass of a giant roasted fowl. It is, in fact, an elephant bird, grown from an apionis egg, and despite having fed all the non-vegetarian members of Hutton crew, still appears almost intact, apart from one of the legs, which has been removed and placed on the floor and is currently being used by several children as a playground slide. The crew are sitting back in their chairs, red-faced from the Saxon wine which has flowed, and with the look on their faces that says, I'm totally stuffed. I couldn't manage another mouthful if you paid me, but I'm still saving room for pudding. Their paper remlocks perched on their heads in what they individually considered to be a jaunty angle, but is, in fact, merely the consequence of them being unable to see straight. A large trolley is wheeled across the room, pushed with some effort, it must be said, by Deadmeat GF, who is leaning into the task and thus is not only putting his back into the effort, but also his nose into the enormous Christmas pudding that sits upon the four-wheeled chariot of catering. Gentle truckers all, we have come to the part of the proceedings where spectacle vies for attention with flavour. This three-metre-tall pudding was started by my lovely wife Norma on Boxing Day last year. Fruits were gathered from all parts of the galaxy, sugars obtained by distilling items that would have defeated Amelia Hawke, exotic spices that can be only be obtained from black markets by those of high-stained reputations, butter made from the finest azure milk, and flour. The mixture was stirred by hand for one week, wrapped and steamed for a month, and since then has been fed every week with a gallon of Lavian brandy. Please dim the lights as I add just one more bucketful of brandy. And here we go. could have had my eye out. It's buried in the wall now. I'm covered in burnt fruit. Oh, I'm in so much trouble. Quick, distract them. Our mics are live. And a very good evening to everyone on this, the last night of 3306. For those of us in the western arm of Hutton Orbital, those of you on the other side of the station will already be at 3307 due to some weird time dilation event. We must seem like students to you getting up in the middle of the afternoon. Anyway, if you hurry over to join us, you can go through it all again. Though why anyone would want to live this year over again, oh, goodness only knows. Oh, perhaps it'll be a good opportunity to say goodbye again. Anyway, we've sponged each other down using dried-out cockium spongiform victuals on very long sticks, and the smell of fruit is starting to subside everywhere except for the apology officer's chair, which no reason that we can determine. I'm joined by survivors of the Great Pudding Explosion of 3305, namely... Me, Harry Balzac. 
will my finger do? And that pudding deserved a place in the Galnet Food Digest. It was that dangerous. Great chieftain, no, the pudding race. I'm not. I'm the apology officer. I'm Juan Care. No, not the Juan Care. I'm just a Juan Care. I'm Norma Snockers, and I'm married to this daft pudding. And I'm Lou Snockers, and I'm about to say something about getting my just desserts. We'd better get on with the headlines, <laughs> um, or we'll be here all year. You can get your own Hutton mug, but you had better be quick about it. Galnet is so 3306. If you claim you've built it, they will come. Toy soldiers sent away with their nuts cracked. There's a warm rescue for a pilot from a cold down under. Atrus5060 puts down his eggnog and throws down the gauntlet. It's been an interesting year of the octopus. I've got a report on a generic plumber racing event. Since the dawn of time. Okay, maybe not, but since the 15th of January 3306, one pilot has stood head and shoulders above the others. The hut and run for some is a walk in the park. A quick trip to the shops, no further than the walk between your back door and the garden shed. But for the majority of the galaxy, it represents a challenge. Can you fly in a straight line for an hour and 22 minutes and 30-something seconds and not lose your marbles? Brett Riverboat has, for nearly a year, been the holder of the title of the fastest trucker in the galaxy. Forget those people who say it takes 45 minutes. He actually owns a stopwatch and has registered on the Hutton Helper, and his time has yet to be beaten. To encourage Hutton truckers to do the necessary to topple him from his pedestal and stop his head swelling to gargantuan proportions, Alvin has authorised the Hutton admin team to put up the prize of one genuine Hutton-crafted frameshift drive plate forged mods-preventing Hutton mug for anyone that can beat Brett Riverboat's time. LCU no fall like one of Canon has been scratching his tinfoil over the celestial mechanics. Wings of truckers have been preparing their beacons for the fastest approach and more than one trucker has been seen at engineer bases getting their small ship engines upgraded ready for skimming those last few seconds off the station approach. Do you want a real Hutton mug? Are you the first to be fastest at the longest? Sign up to the Hutton Helper at hot.forthemug.com and as Buck says, get the trucking. Oh, and in case anyone was thinking of attempting it using a fleet carrier, Intarius Fusion, Maestro behind the Hutton Helper, has an auto-sneaky fleety detector and he will disqualify you. 
As an avid follower of Galnet, your average pilot, and maybe the odd harmless one, might be forgiven for considering that Galnet News is the outlet for up-to-the-minute, right-on-the-money, on-the-button news, the latest with the scoops. But sometimes, just sometimes, the bleeding obvious comes home to roost here at Hutton. Weeks ago, it was reported that ammonia wells near the Colsac Nebula were just what the Sirius Corporation needed. They developed a way to terraform them. And as if there weren't enough earthquakes and water worlds out there, and blindly, pilots from across the galaxy started handing in their data. Ammonia world after ammonia world. Hutton, however, is ever vigilant against the coming storm, and with a weather eye, courtesy of Atrus 5060 and his aching joints on the galaxy, published a warning that Tharg the Mighty, master of billion eight-sided meanies and scourge of stations, might be a little annoyed that you've been playing croquet on his lawn. Galnet appears to have a little too much Christmas food. They've seen their turkey stuffed and stuffed it in their bellies and fallen asleep. Yes, Galnet agrees with Hutton. It was a bad idea. Like sticking your stick in a hornet's nest and wondering why nasty, stripey, stinging things are attempting to stick you with their sharp behinds. Humanity has done a number on itself. We've punched the shark in the nose having read a Galwebst. We've licked both terminals of the battery. We've stuck our heads in something marked head remover and wait and see if we can complain that it's rather drafty around the collar. Stay tuned for the latest from HS5060, but in the meantime, for goodness sake, if you see a big green mutton marked do not touch, just walk away. There are ways and means to build an audience. You can broadcast for five years and hope that someone turns up and listens, even if it's just leather breaker. You can brush your hair smartly, clip your beard and put your most winning smile before turning to camera and saying, subscribe please. Or of course, you can make up bunkum, bulkshies, horse apples, fairy tales. Surprisingly, that appears to work as one commander discovered this week, publishing claims of strange noises from Sagittarius A and decoding them to reveal that there was something out there. To date, the noises that have been revealed sound nothing more than an audio recording of the commander farting in the bath, but it has achieved the desired effect, with countless commanders heading for the heart of the Milky Way armed with a microphone and a spectrograph, and attempting to stare at the results like it is one of those magic eye pictures. For those of us that aren't comfy sitting there looking like we're inspecting the end of our own nose, Remember, not everything you read on Galweb is actually true, and sometimes, as with Jordan Rochester, it's just a way to get one over on your opposition. With all the recent talk of the 10th and the 11th in Mitnahas, the Hutton PGS team, aka the Hoppet team, was surprised to receive a notification from the 10th Fleet, no relation, were interested in a little place called Barnard Star. This isn't the tent that you're thinking of though, and in fact, it wasn't the tent we were either. A lone commander has discovered the keys to their offices, moved in, blown away the dust and proceeded to insinuate themselves as the new owner of the second-hand player group formerly known as the 10th Fleet. Their objective? Between the 10 of them, to take over Barnard Star, 
subdue the Dockers and expand into no fewer than five important systems. Of course, we had to give them credit. They've asked nicely if we'd step aside. Alvin's answer? We're terribly sorry, but as you're not actually the 10th fleet, you can jog on. With a side order of, P.S. If you want somewhere nice, we can suggest many systems of the 20,000 that buy hut and mugs that aren't full of truckers. P.P.S. No. Now stop it. Heroism is what Hutton attempts to do best. Certainly the craziest things in the galaxy. Earlier this year, as part of the Hot Mess programme, Hutton organised to send Hutton mugs to the Antarctic on Sol to ensure that it stayed mods-free during the current winter outbreak season. Two stations, Davis and Mawson, were mugged to within an inch of their diddly doodads by Commander Dog's Breath, and many, many funds raised for special effect and hearing dogs as a result. However, the mission doesn't stop there. An emergency was declared recently. A member of the team was brung low by a non-mods incident and needed emergency aid. This is where PWP comes into its own. How do you rescue an honorary Hutton trucker from a self-inflicted, potentially dangerous situation? You call on as many groups as you can and you get there in double quick time. Commander Fosdyke was one of the first on this scene with his long lens and managed to document the rescue. A Cobra was dispatched from Hutton with enough fuel to make it. A number of SRVs set off from a local planetary base fitted with snowplows and a makeshift landing zone was created ready for the safe evacuation of the injured party. Through a combination of good weather, some fancy flying, a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work, the Cobra made it to a landing space 40 kilometers north of the ice base, loaded the passenger, and without breaking down made it back safe to Nurse Wyeth's capable and ever so warm hands in time to keep the pilot safe. Congratulations to the team, and we're sending a shipment of fuel rats and cannon interstellar goodies to your ice base in the next few weeks by way of a suitable reward. Good evening, trackers. This is Atrus5060 reporting in with dire news about the Thargoids. The dastardly bugs have attacked us on this last day of the revolution of Earth around Sol, where we would normally focus on saying goodbye to the crazy year 3306, as it has been, and welcoming in 3307. Reports from both the Colsack and Witchhead Nebulas, or Nebulae maybe, have identified massive Thargoid presence in the following systems. Oh, they've given me a list to read again. Musca Dark Region PJ... Oh, I'm in my PJs right now. PJ-P B6-1. Colsack Sector VU-OB6... Oh, that one. Colsack Sector KNS B4-9. Hacky Evangelis Lembas Wellington Shenvi and Ono Rose. Stations are damaged and the Pilots' Federation has launched rescue ships to aid in the evacuation of civilians. Independent commanders are needed to evacuate passengers. 
deliver emergency supplies, and most importantly, engage the Thargoids in combat zones. Hackswing will be coordinating with the AXI, or is that Axie, and its allies to combat the bugs. What better way to ring in 3307 than with the splattered innards of a Thargoid on your canopy? As for what has prompted this attack, the LCU know full like 1 through 10 have theorised that the moves by the Sirius Corporation and the alliance of Terraform Ammonia Wells, the Thargoid's native habitat, was just poking the sleeping giant. However, the thing that really set them over the edge to a full-scale attack was the actions of one tracker, a Commander Montgomery Python. His first Thargoid interceptor kill has triggered a full-blown retaliation strike by the bugs. The LCU clones have intercepted several Thargoid transmissions, which have been translated roughly to Bring me Monty's head so I may dip it in my nice cup of tea. The last bit about the tea requires additional checking since we believe the word for tea in Thargoid language is akin to oozy liquids that sometimes leak out of cubicle 3. We're not certain yet if it's just a one-off event or whether Montgomery Python's actions have led to another sustained invasion. Truckers, humanity needs you to once more step up and fight off the Thargoids. Good luck out there and wishing you all a, a safe and happy 3307. For the mug, P.S. Did you get my Christmas card? It was the one with all the tinsel and the glowy Thargoid bits on it. Well, what a year it's been. 3306 was the year of the octopus, a suitable one when, as far as the BGS goes, the truckers appeared to be as deaf as a cephalopod. Where we needed systems locking down, we drove up their influence to the point of expansion. Where we needed systems boosting, we ignored it until we became embroiled in conflict. But we got through it. We're still trucking and are up to a whopping 25 systems under Alvin's benevolent fluffy gaze. Currently, in our newest system and the only one we don't control, we are finally starting the gradual, and boy, it will be gradual if you continue to ignore us in 3307, rise to the top. The current election is showing as a complete victory, although we have to await confirmation, as the Green Party of Sam and I have launched a legal challenge, claiming they have evidence of unmarked belugas shipping unregistered voters into their system. So far, all they have shown to support their claims are blurred security camera footage, of what Alvin's Defence Council suggests is the normal mayhem around the For the Mug visitor beacon. Over in... your thingy, you know, near the middle. Reminds me of that lovely young commander off the holovid. What's her name? Oh, that's Colonia. Colonia, that's it. Well, it's shut. Completely. The whole thing. Totally offline. Nothing happening. No one seems to know why. There are rumours, of course, but we don't listen to rumours, so if you see anything that looks like a hostile expansion into someone else's system... Don't tell them. Mary... Ne oh, no, wait. This just in. 
The New Year party is in tier, so while it looks closed, it's really a cover to keep the party secret. So all truckers in Colonia get over to tier and do some celebratory missions while you're at it. Merry New Year, truckers, and may the newly installed showers at Hutton Orbital have enough water pressure to clean that gung out of your ears. Over to Norma. News has reached this week of the fun and frolics of the Sidewinder Mario Kart event, kicked into life by Rintwin Cymru last Sunday, on the night side of Planet A1 in the aptly named Turbo System. It appears that of the 15 participants, 14 used their initiative, their brains and their night vision to race around a figure of eight course at breakneck speeds. One driver, who shall remain nameless, but at Graham and Casey's assistance we shall call Amelia Hawk, immediately gave the live stream an 18 rating when her lack of vision was pointed out, to which, oh fuck, that's so much better. Chatemage won both races, although it more or less turned into an anarchy with four shell cannons and shock mines punting sidewinders around like snooker balls. The official competitors were, and there are some blasts from the past in here, Aidan, Amelia, Bam, Babster, Chris Hankey, Graham MK, Hobber Mallow, Holiday Hero, Massey, Montgomery Python, Overlight, Shattermage, Snark 3D, TOZ and Taran4294. Galnet News Digest Review of the Year 3306. We recall the news so you don't have to. Part 1. Galnet and the Fleet Carriers. At the end of 3305, no one would have believed the catastrophe that was about to befall the galaxy. Certainly, Brewer's range of squadron carriers, now renamed Fleet Carriers, had once again missed their release deadline more than two years after they were announced. But other than that, things were looking good. Operation Ida was making progress repairing Thargoid-damaged stations, and for now, the Thargoid threat seemed to have retreated. Commanders had come together to save the inhabitants of the generation ship Golconda, who now live relatively happily in the Eupaniclis system on a reservation constructed for them by the Federation. Before that... We had worked to avert an agricultural catastrophe. We had helped to set up a new mini-bubble in the Witchhead Nebula, and we'd established outposts to help us explore Guardian sites. We were on a roll. Nothing could stop us. The Death of Galnet And then, has 3305 turned into 3306? Nothing did stop us. There were a couple of tersely written Galnet articles about the Witchhead Nebula, and then there was nothing. A complete news blackout imposed by the Pilots' Federation affecting Galnet's ability to publish, 
and an immediate and unexplained halt to all cooperative activity within the galaxy, with interstellar initiatives and community goals put on hold, leaving commanders lost and bewildered. It seemed like the Pilots' Federation was no longer working for its members, but against them. Stonewalling requests for information, it became clear that the so-called Community Liaison Team had stopped representing rank-and-file members of the Pilots' Federation and was in the pay of some shadowy third party wanting to disrupt the normal operation of the galaxy. The rumour began to circulate that the Pilots' Federation was trying to drive bored and desperate commanders to switch from their lives in the real galaxy to playing the forthcoming space combat and trading simulation Stellar Citizen which, as of the beginning of 3306, was in what was described as a playable alpha, as it had been for the last 1,300 years. The Pilots' Federation was being sabotaged from within. The galaxy felt deader than it had ever been. And Galnet remained dead, not even commenting on the eventual release of fleet carriers in June 3306. In February, commanders were briefly spurred into action by a cruel hoax perpetrated by the Pilots' Federation, hinting that something interesting might be happening in a different star system. But it turned out to be a poorly constructed pun about a picture of her peduncle life form. The words, no plans at this time, became synonymous with, we don't give a shit. A single sad article on the 9th of June, announcing the availability of Vitadine nanomeds 18 months after they'd been cleared for production by the Interstellar Health Organization in January 3305, only served to highlight that the galaxy was no longer alive. There had never been less reasons to fly as a commander in the Pilots' Federation. Many thousands of commanders hung up their flight suits forever and moved to new careers as pirates on sailing ships or stealing cars and dealing in drugs and petty crime. It was the worst of times. It was the worst of times. And then, suddenly, after nine months of total neglect, the galaxy suddenly woke up again. Some attribute this to the influence of a bald bloke from Essex, with a history of hawking the Xbox flight control system, who'd recently joined the Pilots' Federation. Others felt that the very fact that he had been recruited meant that the forces of good, in the form of a shadowy figure called Lawrence Alden, were already beginning to fight back within the organisation. Galnet was once again permitted to publish the news, and this once again allowed commanders to take part in shaping the destiny of the galaxy. From the 10th of September through to the present, the quantity and quality of news coming from the official Galnet newsfeed has equaled, some would say surpassed, the golden days of 3301, the days of Emperor Hengist Duval's murder by a henchman working for Denton Petraeus, the days of the bombing of the Onion Headfields, the battle for Lou, and the loss of Starship One with Federal President Jasmina Halsey, presumed dead. This new policy of openness couldn't have come at a more timely moment. Had Galnet not been permitted to publish, we might never have learned about the bombing of four starports at the very heart of the Empire, and events might have turned out very differently. Brewer releases the fleet carrier. But let's rewind the clock. During the Dark Ages, when Galnet was shut down, a few things did happen most significant of which was the eventual coming of fleet carriers. 
After more than two years of waiting, commanders were finally able to take a fleet carrier for a test flight in the first half of 3306. Costing 5 billion credits, and with a massive upkeep cost, these mobile starports required two hours for each jump. But what a jump! Capable of travelling 500 light-years, far further than the most finely tuned neutron-boosted papier-mâché explorer conda, fleet carriers opened up the distant corners of the galaxy, those truly distant stars that had been previously inaccessible. The famous Anaconda Graveyard in HD 76133, destination of the one-way distant stars expedition of 3303, could now be an afternoon jaunt for interested tourists before they pop back to the bubble for their cream tea and cucumber sandwiches. Fleet carriers also boasted a commodities market where the owner could set the buying and selling prices, creating, for the first time, a way that commanders could trade with each other directly. However, the proposed upkeep costs, the long time required for jump spin-up and cool-down, the inefficiency of the jump drives, which use huge amounts of tritium, and the high cost and the difficulty of mining tritium was all seen as barriers to the widespread adoption of fleet carriers, with potential owners declaring that they couldn't possibly break even on their running costs. Equally importantly, some key facilities, including universal cartographics, would not be available on these new stations, limiting their value to explorers. These problems were gradually addressed, with running costs slashed and the time for each jump reduced from 120 minutes to just 20 minutes. Universal Cartographics agreed to make their terminals available, although the revenue share agreement meant that explorers would see smaller payouts for the discoveries. Tritium costs remained high, with dramatic differences in price between systems. Fleet carrier owners discovered they could make huge amounts of credits for very little efforts by buying tritium at relatively high price in systems where tritium was cheap and then selling it off at a relatively cheap price for that system, which could still be three or more times more than they paid for it. Commanders without a fleet carrier would do all the shuttling of goods from the starport to the fleet carrier and back again, and also make a massive profit margin when selling to the fleet carrier when selling back to the destination starport. These market disparities were eventually sorted out, but problems mining tritium, which became increasingly difficult to find, proved to be another pinch point for fleet carrier owners. Finally, another round of adjustments to the efficiency of fleet carrier drives ameliorated this problem. Now, a fleet carrier can buy all the tritium it needs in the bubble, or in Colonia, to travel to the most distant star in the galaxy and back again, without the need to refuel. The only remaining slight problem is that someone on board needs a ship with a cargo capacity because it has been impossible for Brewer to come up with a means of transferring tritium from the fleet carrier's hold to the tritium depot used by the engines without first loading it onto a dock ship and then unloading it again. It's all terribly quaint. The profound changes fleet carriers have made to the galaxy can be seen from the creation of the Deep Space Support Array. Fleet carriers stationed throughout the galaxy to provide docking, repair and maintenance for explorers and other travellers, and from the establishment of Rackham's Peak, a scientific and recreational facility in the HIT-58-832 system, a system a mere 5,000 light-years from Sol, but so high above the galactic plane that it was previously unreachable. It is now a stop on any discerning tourist itinerary. In the next episode... 
we'll look at what happened to the Thargoids during 3306. From the Witch Head to the Call Sack. Well, that's quite a start to the uh, the news of the year. Welcome to the studio. Welcome to the show. It is New Year's Eve, and we are joined in the studio, not just by the radio team, but by our guests, mainly because we broke the green room feed. But um, hello, good evening, and welcome. We have on the decks this evening, Harry Balsack, also known as Palantir. Good, good evening, e- Squire. Good evening, button-pushing, my speciality. Now, you've got a lot of buttons to push in a oh, bit. Oh, yes. You? Oh, yes. Yes, when the audio... Because we've got the Hutton Panto. Yes. Yeah, when that comes up, I'll be, I've will i got some buttons to push. I think there's about 32 of them, so I'll, I may just close my eyes and see what happens. Well, not as many buttons as there are lines for the Apology Officer this, this week. No. The Apology Officer is the star of this year's Hutton Panto. I know, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> who'd have thunk it, yes. The superstar hero... I mean, I mean there's a career in Hollywood, definitely. <laughs> forthcoming yeah, well, they'll, they'll, yeah they'll always need somebody to do the mopping wouldn't they action superhero you know as bad santa or something like that yeah um but uh yeah so harry balzac uh also known as palantir how have you been this week how was your christmas are you full of turkey uh, christmas was quite... have you starved a fat bird <laughs> no no christmas was quite quite quiet um the the family that normally come to stay with us over christmas we actually went and delivered their Christmas uh, lunch to them two days in advance with everything cooked in sous vide bags. And so they, they had a boil in the bag uh, lunch. <laughs> very good, by the That's a very pictures. 1970s of you. Yeah, well, it, it was that or, or put it in the microwave and try and uh, heat it that way. But no, it was it worked out yeah, nicely. Not, not, not detonate the Epionius eggs and destroy mm. whole towns. Those no, kind of things, no. So. And it's, it's weird because... Uh, been married now 43 years and this is the first christmas oh, we've had just for the two sake. of us <laughs> first 40, christmas ever how many oh. 43 yeah i'm an old man that's an outrageous number yeah, that's nothing yeah. plus i was a, plus i was a child, bride, very young. Child, child bride yeah <laughs> i was still in nappies when you got married for goodness <laughs> sake that yeah, and, oh, yeah gracious me. and you did you did disgrace yourself you were 27 but it was well, that's why you had to send you out <laughs> the church Anyway, um, also joining us in the studio because we've kidnapped everybody from the green room is Commander Aiden. Good evening. Have you still got a dreadful mic that sounds like you've got a hairdryer on? Well, yes, I think so. Largely because I've still got an old laptop. I haven't been given one for, for, for Christmas yet. It's either that or your dolphin has gone into overdrive. Well, I think, to be honest, the dolphin probably I might have to declare that at the office because I might get done for animal, animal cruelty, but otherwise... Unless, of course, as Amelia says, it's an uplifted dolphin. Amelia, <laughs> and I know I've been told by Commander Palantir before not to talk about our Tuesdays. Oh, has he said that, really? He has. He says you're not allowed to talk about them because it's, t- it's not inclusive. But uplifted dolphins... Yes, they were uplifted by an ancient race so that they actually float around in, in the in, space. No, in, in, in the Hutton Games room, not in the real galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're talking dolphins with little arms and, and little space suits. Well, the, the the arms are mechanical. It's all controlled remotely. It's, it's, like, it's like a suit that they wear and they it's got anti-grav in it so they hover around 
They're still oh, essentially this, dolphins, but I'm sort of picturing this in 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 our universe. You know, these water worlds with dolphins with little arms and little hands, looking cute around <laughs> the place. And I mean, do they do them for penguins and polar bears as well? Uh, no, there's only a handful of uplifted races. Dolphins is just one of them. They're, they also uh, bunged orcas in there with the dolphins. So there's there's, there's like um, orcas and dolphins, but they're, well, orcas, they're orcas are dolphins. Yeah, they're, that's yeah. what I mean. They're, they're classed as the same family. Right, but um, you've had. Did you have a good Christmas? Did I got escape? a new mug. Did you? Es- you got a new mug. Yes, yes. It's not a Hutton mug, but uh, it's 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 the best thing that's happened all year. So I'm going to consider this year a win. Well, describe the mug for for the listener. You have to describe it in the most flowery of terms, so they they get a <laughs> mental picture. Just like the Galnet Food Digest, you need to give them a, a mental image about this mug. <laughs> is, is it late enough to swear? <laughs> You can you can do what you like. It's New Year's Eve. And okay. It's thirty three oh six, also known as twenty twenty, and you can do what you like. So it, it's um, a lovely mug. It's all black on the inside, so it's it's completely um, uh, sealed with enamel. And um, on the front, it's got a D twenty that has rolled a one, and it's got the caption, "Well, shit." <laughs> Perfectly describing twenty twenty, really, doesn't it? <laughs> was it from Wotherspoon? No, no, it wasn't. Um, um, I don't want to name any names, but if the person who gave it to me wants to say on the air, that's fine. Well, it sounds like a cracking, a cracking mug. It perfectly describes 3306 and also your Tuesday evening gaming. And it does describe your usual interaction with Commander Wotherspoon, who seems to have an uncanny ability to roll a one. A yes, natural yes, one on dice, yes. <laughs> He's notorious for it. Yeah, I think maybe we're maligning him a tiny bit because I'm pretty sure every member of your Tuesday uh, Traveller gaming session is capable of rolling a one at a drop of a hat. Uh, always at the most um, crucial moments as well. The funniest moments. Yes, it's, it's what makes the story. It does. Oh, my goodness gracious me, we've misjumped to the far end of the galaxy. Well, that's just <laughs> ruined that entire plot line, yes. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Right, well, next in the studio, we've got Commander Chicks. Commander Chicks, are you there? It does sound like you've got a, a hurricane going off occasionally in, in your studio there. Really? No, no, there, there was, was a minute ago. Earlier. Oh, maybe it was the fireworks. That's not a hurricane. And, <laughs> and a how one. were your Christmas fireworks this year? Oh, very good. Just the two of us, as usual. But in the metropolis this year, instead of... Deepest, darkest whales. Right, and and you're fending off all of the zombies, and you know yeah. you've you've got you know, the electric cattle prod and zapping them every time they come near your door, that kind of thing. The claymores, yes, proximity miles. Oh, was it points towards enemy written on the front of it? That's the one. Yeah, I've seen I've seen mugs with uh, some mugs. Yeah, well, those are the ones with the upside down handles. By the way, hunting truckers, if you've got the ones with the upside down handles, make sure you point them towards the enemy. This way up. Yes, or out. And then we have the Dead Meat GF. Good evening. Once again, full of turkey? Always full of turkey. Yes, leftover turkey, curried uh, turkey, turkey croquettes. Uh, stewed turkey, boiled turkey, raw turkey. Yeah. yeah. How big was your bird? Oh, it's a very personal question. <laughs> it's one one has to ask. It's the only time of year where you can get away with asking it without getting panned by flossy well it depends which point of my life you're asking but for christmas it was it was a just the right size 
It was, yeah. Perfect. But you did have a relaxing, comfy time. I did indeed, yes. Right, well, next to you, we have Commander Flossie. Hello. Good evening, Flossie. Good evening. You've had a couple of weeks off of doing these, these CGs recently. Yes, yes, unfortunately. Um, we were told that there wasn't going to be any stuff in New Year, no. Oh, spoilers, but we do have the CC, CCGGs. Yes, we do. Well, at yeah. the moment, for another week. <laughs> until until the 7th, I think. You've got an update for us in a bit. We've got, um, what have we got? A bit of more Galnet news, and then you, and then the Panto after you. Yeah. <laughs> so you are the warm-up act for the Hutton annual Christmas Panto as well. You're right, yeah. No, I mean, not, not to you know put you off your, your stride in advance there, but, <laughs> you know, you've got to get the audience sort of really revved up, especially. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and and you and uh, Rongway and family all, all had a, a good, calm, peaceful Christmas? Yes, we had a, a nice, uh, calm, quiet Christmas. <laughs> Christmas Eve on the radio show, Christmas Day full of food, mm. Boxing Day, feeling a bit rough, but maybe playing Beat Saber. <laughs> well, I try oh, to play Beat Saber every, every day, but I don't always succeed. I'm going to come back on the Beat Saber thing. It's one of the things we have to talk about before we go to the next bit. Uh, we, we are joined this evening in the studio, though, by the Night Ranger as well, because the green room feed's broken. We kidnapped the Night Ranger. Hello and good evening, the Night Ranger. Evening. Oh, there is a Night Ranger there. Let me let me turn the Night Ranger up so I can hear the Night Ranger. And and uh, did you have a fantastic Christmas, Night Ranger? I made a pot of jelly. <laughs> a what? A pot of jelly? A pot. Oh, a pot of chili. So you, uh, you, you're suffering from... My day. <laughs> You're suffering with the um, the Ring of Fire on the Boxing Day special. Oh, no, we've some, lost the Night Ranger. Oh, no. FaceTime with the grandkids, so, yeah, it was a good Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, FaceTime's a good thing. I imagine if this had all happened 20 years ago and we just had to send them nice letters occasionally while we were all locked down. <laughs> but uh, lovely to have you here, Night Ranger. And, of course, we are joined by PBSF Ghost representing the Pixel Bandit Security Force. Oh, my God. Not really. What? <laughs> no, I'm okay, yeah. Well, you're officially representing as ambassador for the PBSF. I'm sure no, you are. don't say that. John, get upset, Pink Dragon. No, you, I can see those four initials. P, B, S, and F. Pixel Bandit Security Force. I've actually got a bottle of the uh, the Pixel Bandit special beer. What is it? The officially endorsed by Bob Beer here. Yeah, that is really nice beer. It, it is, one. it is. But it's lovely to have you here, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, of course, all the people who are on the stream chat and everything else. Right, um, Mr. Palantir, sir. Yes. Before we move along, do, do we have any uh, orders of business? Uh, yes, we've got a little bit here. Uh, our good friend and clone meister, Mr. Hanky, and all of his hundreds of friends that look exactly like him, will be doing the fleet carrier run this weekend to Colonia and back, leaving uh, Saturday and coming back on Monday. Uh, they're going to leave Barnard Star at 7am UTC. So anyone who wants to go and have a quick look to Colonia, go out there on the Saturday before 7am, or before 7am Saturday, and have a nice ride out to Colonia with the King Hank. Has anybody told him he's still got all of my ships on board that fleet carrier? Well, he'll only find out when he can't get any more on board. And oh, if you find yours oh. floating around when you go to a destination... So I've got tomorrow to get all of my ships off the fleet carrier. Uh, you've got until 7am in the morning. On Saturday, so I've got tomorrow. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Hang on, so which day is it? It's a Saturday. bit like with the lockdown. It's still March, and by the way, what day is it now? I have it, no idea. It's Thursday. We're in the middle of the show, you plunker. Oh, of course it's Thursday. Oh, yeah. It's a radio show. There we go. I tell you what, though, if you take some other way out to Colonia and back, they'll all need a service. Yeah. But will the paint be in the same day? You know, if you put it on a fleet carrier and take it out there and back again, will the paint come back in the same way? There's an experiment we need to do. No, you're, in, you're do. in a hangar. You'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, um... Other than that, what what are the orders of business? Now, uh, Dmitriev, we have had permission to talk about this one and sort of semi-release this news now. Yes, we, we previewed have. it last week. But uh, go ahead, tell us about the thing. Well, uh, we we have um, a number of fans of the lightsaber. No, not can't say that. Can't the uh, saber wielding dancey device um, called Beat Saber, and we also have a song. So, combining the two, we have made a map for Beat Saber featuring, for the mug, our theme song. Um, and we have permission to do so from the author of said theme song, and even more importantly, from Alvin himself. So, we are going to release this map into the wild, let any truckers who want it download it, shove it in their Beat Saber if they've got it, and we, I think, are we going to have a competition for a high score? Yeah, we are indeed having a competition for a high score. And the testing, I think, uh, my own mini-me managed to get 221,000 and not die before the end. Yep. So far. But I think you've upped it to hard level between now and then, or then and we, now. We Well, I, we've called it a hard level because, obviously, it's That's a it little is. bit... Yes. <laughs> for now, for when, now. I, when I do it, I know exactly what beats are coming because I made it. Um, so... I gave it to other people to test and they said, no, that isn't easy. That's that's about hard. So we've it's releasing it as a hard level. I'm going to try over the next few weeks to do a an easy and an ex is it expert above hard? So so the easy one is just yeah. gonna be you swipe one thing, then you sit there for an hour and a half, and then you swipe one more job done, yes? Uh, no. A bit like no. a hard run. It, it, it'll, it'll, still, it'll still flail your arms about a bit, but they, they won't be in ways that are tricky. Yeah. They, they should be nice patterns. And Sorry, is not, this one you can play easy. one? What you do the one-handed one as well, or is it? I is would it love to make a one-handed one. I haven't looked into how to do that yet, but if it's as simple as only having one colour, then I'll do that. Well, I mean, it's selfish on my part because only one of mine works at the moment. So well, we right. have another reason for doing it one-handed at the minute. I think because we? we have a, we have a commander who's got restricted movement. Well, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm sure we've got lots of commanders out there who may or may not have beats able, but if there's any who have struggled to use both arms. It's the done thing, isn't it, to make it as good for everybody as we can? It, it, it's hot and accessible, as as everything we we try to do is, yes. That's really brilliant, <clears throat> and nothing well, like the explanation I thought Steve was going to say. <clears throat> <laughs> it's just the extreme cramp in the other arm. Um, but we won't go there. It's, it's New Year's Eve, and we're not going to get too much innuendo until the panto side of things. So the running order for this evening, um, Commander Palantir... Oh, yes, we've sir. got we've had the first of the Galnet News Digest, which is the first ten minute segment of the year. Mm -hmm. We've got those splattered throughout the show. So if you want to hear the entire digest of the entire year by Commander Wotherspoon and Beetlejude, then listen to the whole show because the last bit this evening is the very last part of that. I think the one they've released today. No, no, but the fourth part they released today. The fifth part will actually be a first showing. We, so we have a it'll be a premiere when we when we put that. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, well, it's a special. It's a, it's a unique thing to Hutton Orbital Radio. Um, we've got, obviously, Flossie coming up with this CG News or the CCCGG News. We've got the Hutton Panto, which is traditional. We're only a week late. Uh, is <laughs> there an enough. apology officer nearby? There is. Would you like an apology? Go on, then. We're very, very sorry for the late running of the Hutton Panto, which should be arriving at a platform near you soon. Excellent. Uh, we, we do know there are one or two commanders who needed a text copy of the script for the Panto as well, which we have sent out this evening as well. So anybody who... Um, there's lots of sound effects behind it and all sorts. So anybody who does need a text copy, do please get in touch so we can send it to you so you can read along with one finger while we're uh, performing the Panto. Uh, it's got a full cast and sound effects, courtesy of the sound effects machine. Um, other than that, we've got the Galnet Food Digest. And then after the show, I think um, we're planning on firing up a little bit of a, a team, a radio team Zoom call mm. to take us through to the new year for anybody who's stuck on their own as well, which, I mean, I'll be there. Maybe maybe some of you guys will be there as well. I shall do my best. Yeah. Maybe. Well, um, so if anybody is interested in joining in the, the Hutton team Zoom call, uh, taking you all the way up to midnight, then you know do, do ping us a message and, and get in touch, and we will we'll send you a link once we get towards the end of the show. We will talk about it at the end of the show, but we will be taking a Zoom call right up and to and including the end of 3306, and we're going to be saying funk you in a big way to 3306 because it's been awesome but rubbish. That is very time zonist of you because it'll... It'll only be just a small part of the world. It'll end no, at that we, point, but the galaxy only has one time. Oh yes, galaxy uh, UTC. Time, yeah. 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 UTC, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. You you bend time, Hutton cubicle three. You bend time, right? Um, I, other than that, uh, it remains for us to say at the moment there's a load of recorded stuff and bits and bobs coming up. Um, it's sit back, enjoy yourselves. We hope you're having a wonderful evening. And um, Amelia, I think it's you introducing the next bit. Yes, yes, it is. Well, that's enough of that. So time now for Commanders Beetlejude and Wotherspoon to remind us all of things we'd forgotten about the year 3306. I don't know about you, but these things always feel to me like a mixture of, was it this year? It seems like a long time ago. And was it this year? I thought it was ages ago. News Digest Review of the Year, 3306. We recall the news so you don't have to. Part 2. Thargoids and creepy goings-on in the Colsack. There were Thargoids at one end of the bubble at the beginning of 3306, and there are Thargoids at the other end of the bubble as the year concludes. We've experienced some very recent Thargoid activity, but we also learned about some very old encounters with the eight-legged, chitinous space spiders. First, let's go back to January and the Witchhead Nebula. There was a time when humanity desperately needed meta-alloys as a solution to the so-called unknown artefact bombing that crippled starports. However, even after that problem had been permanently resolved using science-based homeopathy in November 3304, our demand for meta-alloys remained apparently insatiable. 
In July 3305, the Alliance spearheaded a campaign to take the Witchhead Nebula from the Thargoids after the barnacle sites in the Pleiades became depleted. Things went pretty well for humanity and not quite so well for the Thargoids, who had installed the meta-alloy manufacturing plants known as barnacles there in the first place. In August 3305, victory was declared over the Thargoids. They could still be found there in small numbers, but posed no threat unless provoked, and were treated by many commanders as big game to be hunted for sport and target practice. In December that year, Alliance Prime Minister Mahon declared a new era of peace in the galaxy, with all Thargoid encroachments into human space, by which he meant human space including the Pleiades and the Witchhead Nebula, which had been annexed from Thargoid space, at an end. Exactly a month after that victory speech, the Thargoids attacked stations in the Witchhead Nebula and the Pleiades again. But it was a very half-hearted affair, almost as though the Thargoids knew that they were outclassed and outgunned, and they inflicted limited damage on just seven stations in the two regions. In celebration of putting down this small uprising by the natives, Universal Cartographics allocated shorter, more memorable names to 15 human-inhabited systems in the Witchhead Nebula, including the not-at-all-vainglorious Wellington, along with Caister, Lembas and Shenve. This mid-January pronouncement of the new system names was the last news published by Galnet before the Dark Age fell. But while Galnet and the Pilots' Federation were sleeping, Commanders continued to pile the pressure onto any Thargoids that turned up in what was now human space. The Anti-Zeno Initiative offered a celebratory decal to anyone who brought a still fresh Thargoid heart to the Astra's fleet carrier in the Sterapy 2 system, something that the Court on the Hot Pilots Federation refused to condone despite authorising and facilitating the decal. This so-called Art of War initiative proved to be resoundingly successful with 10,000 Thargoid hearts plucked from the still-living bodies of Thargoids, along with large amounts of other Thargoid body parts, which were used to smear the outside of the carrier as a warning to the remains of the Thargoid race. At the same time, the massive repair effort to bring back to full service every station damaged by Thargoids over the years, known as Operation Ida, and which had recently been boosted by availability of fleet carriers to carry the huge amounts of repair materials needed, finally came to an end. From the 15th of January, 3304, when the operation started, to the 20th of July, 3306, when it ended, the 1,500 commanders involved in the operation moved over 110 million tonnes of cargo and repaired 146 stations, some of them several times over. The members of the initiative had overcome the plundering of supplies by the evil Don Antonacci, together with remote locations and huge distances, to achieve what had at first seemed a Sisyphean task. The commanders of Operation Ida went their separate ways, but promised to return should they be needed again, and in fact they were needed again, just two months later, to repair stations damaged by Marlinists. In October, the Thargoids once again attached the Witchhead Nebula. This time it was the Alliance that led the counter-offensive. No stations were damaged, but many contributors were awarded access to the Guardian Frameshift Drive booster as a reward for their help and the technology broker at Uangia offered special deals on Guardian weapons and modules during the initiative. Some members of the Antizeno initiative, starved of meaningful combat opportunities, argued that we should let the Thargoids establish themselves in the Witchhead Nebula to provide better sport. 
However, the Thargoid's story was about to change in a new and unexpected way. On the 29th of October, a so-called ghost ship, the Adamaster, arrived in the Chukchan system. Flying on autopilot, it was quickly established that the ship had been travelling at sublight speed for nearly 200 years. It took some time and effort to work out what had happened, but the trail eventually led to a geological survey station in Musker Dark Region PJ-P B6-1, and a tale of one of the very first encounters with Thargoids. Two hundred years ago, an alien object of some sort had been found in a crashed Thargoid ship. Whether this was a Thargoid or a Thargoid probe or a sensor is unclear. However, whatever it was, the Thargoids wanted it back pretty badly, and they attacked and killed the people in the base, and the alien thing, whatever it was, seems to have caused disruption to the mechanics of the Adamaster megaship, and to have either killed or driven the crew to abandon the ship, which is why the ship eventually returned without crew or cargo to Chukchan. Some additional data about this part of the story can be found at a crashed sidewinder at the bottom of a deep crater in the HIP 69200 system. The mesmerising and terrifying influence the Thargoid technology appears to have had on the geologists and on the ship's crew remains something of a mystery. However, one of the planets in Musker Dark Region PJ-PB6-1 has a number of pristine barnacle sites, and the Alliance has now set up shop there with the intention to exploit the region as ruthlessly as the Pleiades and the Witchhead Nebula have already been. Sirius Atmospherics, a subdivision of the mighty Sirius Corporation, has partnered with the Alliance to survey the ammonia worlds in the region with the intention of terraforming them, turning them into planets inhospitable to Thargoids but suitable for human settlement. The Thargoids fought back against the establishment of human stations in the region, but ineffectively. In the Corsac Nebula, as elsewhere, everything seems to be going humanity's way. Many of the commanders who participated in the massacre of Thargoids in the Colsac Nebula were granted a super lightweight frameshift drive. That makes the Crate Phantom almost as effective as the Anaconda for long-range jumps, causing some discontent when the rules for qualification were changed after the fact. And many of those who participated in the mapping of Ammonia World now have a hyper-engineered detailed surface scanner that makes mapping planets even easier than it already is. The sources of meta-alloys in the Pleiades and the Witchhead Nebula have been desecrated, exploited to the point that there is nothing left but broken and barren stumps. It seems likely that despite humanity's early wins, the Colsac Nebula and its surrounding Musker Dark region is the place we're likely to see further clashes between humans and Thargoids in 3307. Just how quickly the revolutionary terraforming technology can be made to work to split the atmospheric ammonia into nitrogen and hydrogen and to create water with massive injections of oxygen remains to be seen. But the Thargoids are unlikely to take kindly to such an initiative. Despite very nearly reaching Sol when they attacked the bubble two years ago, the Thargoids have turned out to be relatively easy to defeat. So there's little real doubt that humanity will prevail. And we'll once again drive the Thargoids away. In episode 3, we look at new information about the destruction of Starship One and consider what it might mean for the future of President Hudson and the Republicans. And we look at the rise of Marlinism in the Empire and at how the NMLA has reshaped galactic politics. <laughs> Oh,
It's flashy. It's flashy. And the community goes. Hello, Flossie here with this week's Community Goals News. And this week the news is that there are no CGs again. But we do have our own CCCG. They're going for gold too. As we enter the final week of GFG2, things have slowed down again as other events are going on. Nothing which has changed in the top five places with chicks still way ahead of everyone else and with, with over 78 billion credits. Just one leak left to get your exploration data in to increase our leads as much as possible in the league tables and hopefully win the gold trophy. And that's this week's CG News. Told you what to do. Oh, it was the short version, the short, short version this week. Now, congratulations to everybody on the GFG2 Flossy. I mean, we've mm-hmm. looked at the, the stats on this, and that the PC team, as far as I can tell, have got the same as the next eight groups added together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Team Hotbox are comfortably, well, no, they're, they're, what, a billion in the lead at the moment. So unless somebody pulls a fast one on them, they're, they're doing okay. PS4, we haven't had any details from PS4 yet. <clears throat> My voice is going to. Um, so um, we need to look up the details for PS4. We don't think they're in gold at the moment. So if anybody's on PS4 and has got like <clears throat> 70 billion of data just sitting in their back pocket, then please do feel free. Yeah, yeah. Go and get that in there, both of you. <laughs> yeah, b- b- both of you. Yes. Um, now, C- Commander Chicks. Yes. Obviously, you know your help has been invaluable here. I mean, not just with the the advice that you provided over the last um, few months and the uh, the guys you provided, but the 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 billions and billions of credits of data. One of the really encouraging things is though. Originally, when we started this, we were counting on your data to get us the gold. Okay. But looking at the answer now, we've managed to take what you did and just about double it, I think. Almost. Yeah. Which means that um well, I mean, we 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 love having chicks, but we thought we were relying on you, and actually the Hutton Truckers have done themselves proud and they've actually stepped up to the mark and delivered as much data as that huge jump you did as well. So a big thank you to everybody because it's it meant that the chicks is a bonus as opposed to the chicks being, you know the core of things I, so i'm just i'm just processing that hang on okay no, no but what, what, we, what we're what we're saying is we, we've seen your whole contributions invalid oh that sounds awful yeah, we are, yes, we congratulations are. to all the truckers because originally we were sort of like oh we've got chicks which means we're in with a chance and now what we can say is we've got everybody and and chicks and everybody is like double chance i mean it's it's bonus time so um it's been wonderful to see the contribution by everybody else manage to sort of get up to the kind of levels that you put in as well mm. i think one uh, thing the next period assuming it's an eight week uh, um, leaderboard period um i think a lot of squadrons are holding back their data because you know why would they expend it at this point do you mean your your early flag waving on day one? Uh, possibly, I think maybe uh, somebody thought they were in with a chance, but I think now they've seen the way things panned out and the, you know the way that Hutton's really gone for it. Um, why would you submit your data now? Because uh, we, we had this conversation two or three weeks ago when the ammonia oil CG was on, and then they had the three times bonus. 
So if anybody had any tucked away, that was the time to play that card, but they didn't. So I think mm -hmm. if anybody's got exploration data tucked away, they're going to keep it for the next period now. So I think we're okay. Yeah, yeah, no, we are, and it's been a fantastic job across. I mean, I know um, mm. the team Hotbox have been working really hard. We have. I, yeah, I mean, un unlike Hutton, where we've just so the the, the PC group where we've um, just stretched our legs, the team Hotbox have really had to battle for their gold medal as well, and it's been impressive to see the efforts by um, yeah Andrew Swaziland, who's hot boss. I think you'll um, find that's pronounced Swaziland. <laughs> Why the A and the I? Well, we call them Swaziland. Well, um, I was going to say, yeah, Andrew. but, um, but it's been really good to see the team pull together there and actually yeah. go out there. And you've had to hunt that data really hard. Yeah, Shoreside Customs has been kind of leading off, leading off on that one. He's he's put a lot into it as well. Um, and I know Techie Mister B, uh, Gary Baxter's put a lot of lot of data in. I've put my bit in, and we're all just contributing wherever we can. We're running out doing what we can. Um, we are a about, we're sitting on about 6 billion points, which would have been 12 billion credits. Um, so we're about a billion points ahead of the so 2 billion credits. Yeah. Yeah, By well, way, a billion, we're about a billion points ahead that. of them. I, I've just made Commander Chicks sound like the free mug you get from a petrol station. No, that wasn't the point, Lord Chowty, <laughs> and I'm sure Chicks doesn't take it like that. What I was doing was complimenting everybody else on catching up with Chicks between them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, so that sounds plausible. Let's go with that. Um, so yeah, so we're we're ahead at the moment, but we're not resting on our laurels because we know they could be holding back for for the sixth of January just to bung all their data in and get it over and done with. And obviously, potentially in a in a future GFG, and I don't mean soon because this has been crazy, but um, we, we've got the potential to go for the the Thargoid one now that Atrus Fifty Sixty has told us that Thargoids are back. Dun dun dun! Mm, but don't shoot the flower, people. No. Give them a hug. Give them a hug and a mug. Yeah, hug and a mug. A hug and a mug is all they need. Yeah. You ever seen a Thargoid with a mug? No, nobody's ever given them a mug. Well, do we We have, yes, sorry, somebody had managed to give them a mug and got it hoovered up from the top of a barnacle. <laughs> you know when they, they do the sucky thing above a barnacle? Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody managed to get like a hut mug hoovered up. And we, mm, got, from we a got one in the machine and it spat it out and went red. Ah, oh, right, okay then. <laughs> Do we somebody we know somebody else that spits out mugs when they're they're giving them as well. I, I think it's the dastardly Don. Talking of that, it's panto time. Nearly. Now, um, we've had a couple of people say they want to copy the, the script, which we've sent across, which means they can read along with their fingers. But um please feel free to sit back. Sean, are you ready? Oh yes. That's enough stalling from <laughs> us. Sorry, right. I need I needed about four seconds. Oh, one Just second, what? Flossie. Yeah. Um El Nephio. On the uh, on the board, the Hutton helper um, for the um, uh, the what do you call it? The data. El Nevio number thirty four with over half a million. He is on PS four. Yay! Yay! Well, well done, El Nevio. Um, I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. He's number so, yes, thirty four overall. Number 34 overall, El Nevio, 555,954,645 credits so far on PS4 as well. That's whoop, half whoop. a billion, that's good. Um, and there are some prizes coming out. Basically, when we get to the end of it, at the end of the Muggies, because uh, the Muggies, I think, is the cut-off date as well for the going for gold. We're going to tot everything up and then just chuck loads of prizes out of people. Don't forget, next Thursday, it's not an ordinary Hutton show. It is the Muggies as hosted by, uh, I think, Psycho Cow and Lord Shouty and, and people. 
um, recognising the best trucking from the last 12 months as well. Right, Sean, have I, have I fluffed enough that sorry you, you're that. ready? <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Don't no, no, yeah. sorry at all. No. I am, have we fluffed enough there that you're I'm, ready with the buttons? I am poised. I am poised. You're poised. Okay. Can, In which case, as you're stalling. poised, we're, we're going to sit back, and as is traditional at this time of year, we do have the Hutton Orbital performers with the Hutton Orbital Panto. Hello and welcome to our seasonal Hutton Orbital Christmas-ish performance. This year, with apologies to the 20th century, this is the 34th century classic Christmas adaptation of a popular Christmas movie, Mughard. Starring the Hutton Orbital performers and guests. We begin our tale aboard a dolphin, somewhere in the middle of the Alpha Centauri system sites firmly set upon a distant star and a very small, rather insignificant, station. It's the festive season and someone is running really late for the annual Hutton New Year's party. Actually, they're running really, really, really late for the Christmas party, but as it's such a long way away, they're in good company. You, um, don't like flying, do you? It's not my favourite hobby, no. I'll let you in on a secret. Air conditioning, cold air, works wonders. I don't follow you. When you get to your destination, just take off your flight suit and stand in front of the air conditioning. Cold air fixes everything. I'll bear that in mind. The name's Raker, Mark Raker. Used mug salesman. Nice to meet you. Lane. Officer Mark Lane. What line of work are you in, Mark? Customs and excise. Well, someone has to do it, I suppose. All those fines, you must be raking it in. Oh, I'm in the other department. We excise people from loitering over pads. As they settle down to an hour and a bit of banter about quite how punishable loitering is and whether the station guns need a bit of an upgrade, we fast forward to their arrival at Hutton. Passengers arriving on the shuttle from Seoul should report to Immigration Control, which is on your left as you leave the landing bay. Your other left, you dobender. Yeah, you! That voice sounds familiar. Do you have relatives at the station? Just a few. The dolphin approaches the orbital. We see that Commander Taran has blocked the medium pad with a sleek black fur de lance. Sporting a midnight paint job. Looks like someone's pad blocking again. Isn't that your department? I'm off duty. Just want to get to the party. Eventually, someone wakes Taran up and he moves away from the pad, yawning heavily after a hard night at it in a res site. Welcome to Hutton Orbital. Please have your baggage ready for inspection. No, sir, I didn't mean your wife. I suspect someone's going to be sleeping on the sofa tonight. Move along, please. That's right. Just step through the scanner and 
no, we won't giggle. Honest. One at a time, please. Why, that's a big one. No, I meant your case. Passports, please. Our hero makes their way into the station. Their destination? The plaza, where the party's being held this year. They've gone for a Mediterranean theme and taken over a local eatery in the Sicilian sector of the station. Nicantoni's Plaza. The kind of place where legitimate business persons come to meet, eat and discuss their tax returns. Wall-to-wall delicatessens, gentlemen's barbers and laundering services. Mark Lane, I'm here for the hot and Christmas party. I'm a guest of Norma Snockers. We don't have anyone by that name over here. Oh, no, she's using her maiden name. Try Flossie. 11th floor. Just take the elevator over there. Good evening. I'm your elevator for this trip. I hope you've had a lovely day so far. Did you know that on this day the last known gladiatorial competition in Rome took place? I just want to get to the party. Artie, I've got galleries, workshops and classes. Not Artie, Artie. Are you sure? Beetlejude's running a lovely class on how to draw mambas up on five. I don't want that, I want the party. Party supplies are on three. Look, I just want to get to the plaza. Nick and Tony's like it says on the invitation. Oh, you don't want to go there. Yes, I do. I really do. How about a nice trip to Wanda's? Look, you bastard. I want the party at the plaza on 11. There's no need to be like that. Like what? Well, the colourful language. I was just trying to be helpful. Look, you're just a lift. I just want to go up to 11. Well, if you're going to be like that, please select a floor. I just did. 11. I'm sorry. I didn't understand you. Speak clearly. How much more clearly do you want it? 11. That's one more than 10. You've chosen level 10. No, I said 11. No, you didn't. You clearly said 10. I heard you. I'm an expert in human transportation liaison. I'm fluent in over 6 million forms of communication. You clearly said 10. So, 10 it is. 11! Ah, fine, 10. I'll take the stairs, you fucking piece of garbage. Please stand clear of the doors. Enjoy the ride. Get it up yet? As Officer Mark Lane, have you got it yet? Arrives at the 11th floor, having climbed up from the 10th, the party is in full swing. Everyone's dressed as their favourite evildoer. Alvin's gone with some fanged dentures and red contact lenses. Commander Wotherspoon is sporting a loincloth and a club with a nail in it. And Simoof, as usual, has come as a Thargoid. Oh, you're kidding me. Fancy dress. Hey, I'm looking for Flossie. I think she's at the big speech. What have you come as? Uh, Andre the Giant. Can't say I'm seeing it. He heads off to find a room to change in. It's nothing a set of platform shoes and a curly wig can't sort. Finding a small office to one side and more than a little stressed by the ride up to 11, he remembers some of the advice. 
Ah, oh, well, let's give it a go. As he strips and flicks the air conditioning to Ice Planet, you can almost hear the sigh of relief. I was feeling a wee bit hot and bothered, but that is much better. From outside, there are signs of a bit of a kerfuffle. This is the dawn. I want all of you to put your hands up and stand over there. Hey, that's good. Who have you come as? Is it Marielle Plummer? I'm not joking. This is a heist. Now get over in corner before I have a man, Don Juan, threaten you with his big beam laser. Huh? There is a big one, and it seems so real. Oh, it's warm as well. Cecil, I don't think it's a costume. You mean he looks like that all the time? That poor man. My name is Donna Antonacci of the Camorra di Lupi Tre Cinque Nova, and I'm here for my free anaconda. Where is a Flossie? One trucker stands bravely forward. I'm Flossie. More and more. Step forward. I'm Flossie too, and so's my wife. You think you're trying to fool me? I know she's here, and she's got the keys to the vault. Don Juan, search the rooms, quick! Our viewpoint switches back to the side room, where our hero is peeking round the door. Oh, bugger, and here's me in nothing but a naughty tanky and a string vest. What the heck is going on in here? Who are you? Would you believe me if I said it was Rapsy Nesbitt? For goodness sake, put some trousers on, man. No one needs to see that. Yeah, filthy pirate, I'll nut you. From down there, not likely. Oh, me nuts. I encop this one for dessert. Ah! Our hero liberates a radio from Don Juan's prone and groaning form and speaks into it menacingly. Hello. I said menacingly. Oh, sorry. You won't get away with this. Climb back onto the horse you rode in on, and we won't mention it again. Who's that? What have you done with Don Juan? Lane. Mark Lane. I'm afraid he's had a little accident, and now I have a beam laser. Ho, ho, ho. Donna too. open a fire. Oh, bugger. Time to get out of here. Mamma mia, Donna too. You've put a hole in the side of the plaza. You don't think that was a little bit much? Sorry, boss. Got carried away. Go and check if you finished him off. Ah, Flossie, we found you. Now you're gonna give me the code for the secret vault with all of the anacondas in it. I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have any anacondas. Very good. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. You won't get anything out of me. Do your worst. Oh, okay then. Don too. Stop a flirting with the ladies and break out of my safe cracking gear. You won't get away with this. This is Officer Mark Lane. We have an emergency over at Nick and Tony's Plaza. 
Pirates have taken over. Good evening. You're through to Hutton Security. Did you know that on this day the first edition of the Times of London was published? Please state the nature of your emergency. I'm at Nick and Tony's Plaza. Send help. I'm sorry. This isn't a delivery service. I don't want a delivery send and response. You didn't say please. <sighs> send an armed response team. Please. What's the nature of the emergency? It's the Mafia. They've taken over. They have hostages. You do know that's the Sicilian Quarter. And it's a fancy dress party. This is a 10-11. Officer in trouble. Send back up. Well, make up your mind. 10 or 11? Which is it? 11. 10-11. You want the lift on the north corner for that floor? I've got no time for this, you stupid computer. Send back up. Computer services are on 12. Ah, oh, bollocks. I'll come down there and rip your circuits out. That's a violation of Hutton anti-salt codes. Please stay where you are. You'll be arrested shortly. Have a nice day. I'll deal with this myself. This is Hutton security control to any officers in the vicinity of the plaza. We've got a bad language violation. Can you investigate, please? This is Al Scoffit. I'm at the donut store on the corner of Plaza and Fourth. I'll swing by. There might be more to it. Something about Komori and a hostage situation. Can't see anything. All looks calm to me. No, don't go. Arrest me, you big oaf. Hang on, I see something at one of the windows. I can't make out what he's doing. Is that a helicopter? The officer seems unperturbed by the antics of the figure in the window. It's not big, and it's not clever, but it's not entirely unheard of over at Hutton. Thinking on his feet, Mark grabs Don Juan's prone form and defenestrates him with extreme prejudice. This is Officer Al Scoffit to control. Send back up. We've got a situation here. Oh, I've dropped my donut. Thank you for calling Hutton Security Control. Computer services are on 12. I did tell the other caller. No, there's a hold-up. Traffic's on two. You really need to be calling directory services, you know. Transferring you now. Listen carefully, there are mafia everywhere. Send more officers, and a tank, and the Momus Bog Spaniels. We have a situation. This is Duncan's Donuts. What flavour would you like? Did you know that the first reference to a donut was in 1809 in a history of New York? I've got loads of interesting donut facts if you want. What do you mean, what flavour? Donut. Jam or custard. People put custard in donuts? That's just wrong. Custard it is. Thank you for your order. Your delivery will be with you in ten minutes. This is Al Scoffit to whoever was on the radio earlier. You're on your own, but I'm rooting for you. You sound like you know what you're doing. Only an officer of the law would have that much cheek. That better not be a joke about the size of my arse. Anyway, thanks for nothing. Officer McLean, over and out. Officer McLean, hey? I've got a flossie here, and I'm going to do terrible things if you don't give yourself up now. 
You get away from there. Pineapple doesn't go on pizza, you monster. Don two, find one. He's floating past three, sir. What for? No, three, sir. What's he doing on three? I don't know. No one's ever got to three. I mean, you sometimes get to two with little Giuseppe, but he always behaves by that point. Have you broken into the vault yet? I'm nearly there. I just need the final code. I'm really confused. What happened to your voice? You sound just like a Don Juan, not a squeaky anymore. Sorry, boss. You there. What's the code? Where are all of the anacondas? Don't tell him. Tell him what? I mean, it's not as if I can remember it. Actually, hang on. It's the same code as on my drinks cabinet. One, two, three, four. Voice print identification accepted. Did you know that on this day the Dutch East India Company was dissolved? Please stand clear of the really big door. Mind your toes. But there's nothing here. Where are all of the anacondas? There are anacondas here? Little slithery things must be hiding. His hanky left their cage open again. Hello, Mr. Snake, are you in here? It's just full of boxes, sir. Boxes and boxes of what appear to be mugs. I hate the mugs. I never want to see a mug again as long as I live. Get to the landing pad and let's get out of here. Call for my beluga. Bit of a problem, sir. It won't fit. What do you mean it won't fit? No large pad, sir. Well, steal whatever you can. We cut back to the side room where Officer Mark Lane's been hiding. He's crawled through the air ducts, climbed up the lift shaft, and he's... You do know that's not very safe, don't you? I mean, I know we've had our disagreements, but you could have taken the stairs. Oh, no, you again. Just shut up, I don't hear you. Hearing dogs? They're on the ground floor, just next to the bog spaniels. Just don't move the lift. I'm getting out here. Top floor. Four? You want four? No, just stop. I'm not talking to you anymore. Finally. As our hero climbs out of the lift, beam laser gaffer taped across his back, the Kamori Mafia pile into the docking area. There's screaming and running. Get off of me, you mad woman! I'll teach you to behave like that. Come here! Ouch, that hurt! Flossie? Ah, there you are. I was wondering when you'd get here. I'm here to rescue you. I don't need rescuing you, silly boy. Now hand me that beam laser. Be careful, that's gaffer tipped in my... Ah, yippee-ki-yay, that looks like a mother trucker. This is uh, too much. I'm uh, leaving. What have you done to Don too? He's uh, floating past the window, all curled up. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do to you two. Oh, I say... 
He's jumped out of the window. Oh, bother. I was just warming my backswing up. I didn't know you swung that way. I say, ouch. That's better. Now, where's the bar? I need a nice glass of Centauri Megagin. As the camera pans out to the outside of the plaza, you can see the Camori Mafia slowly floating towards the far side of the inside of the station. One is clutching his groin, clearly in agony. The Don's got his hands round the neck of Don too, and Sergeant Al Scoffit has a mouthful of doughnut and is looking up at the scene unfolding above. His hands are a little grubby. And will you please put some claws back on? You're scaring people. That was the Hutton Orbital Christmas Audio Movie, brought to you by the Hutton Orbital Performers, starring Mia as our hero, Officer Mark Lane, Flossie as herself, Amelia as the automated voice of just about everything, Commander Wotherspoon as the narrator, Commander Chicks as Al Scoffit, Cecil as a drunken fool, Deadmeat GF as the passenger that suggested that our hero should be naked throughout. Don Juan, Don Two. Palantir as a random party guest or two, the customs officer and the stunt signed machine. The actor playing the dastardly Don has asked to remain anonymous. Mr. Dusty as the Don's stunt double. Psycho Cow as the party crowd. Simuf as the third Thargoid on the left, and Norm MC as Lurch. I can't believe you all did that just so you could get a bad pun in at the end. Nick and Tony sounding like Nakatomi Plaza from Die Hard, the movie, which I've never watched as it happens. So I had no idea what you were talking about. And, and there we have it. This year's special. And thank you very much. <laughs> special is the right word for it. It's very, very special. special. There's some inverted commas around that one. I mean, it's a, it's a classic Christmas movie, isn't it? Mug hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we, we encapsulated all of the, the, the key elements there. You know, there, there was the plaza. There was somebody falling out of a window. There were some guns there was somebody trying to break in there was um a Re- police officer nobody Re- mentioned the sheriff of Jane nottingham <laughs> no no a spoon cousin oh, right, right, because i think it's it's dull, it pronounced more. spoon he really struggled <laughs> to get it out <laughs> and yes every single element of that was completely derivative everything was completely ripped off from other stuff yep. <clears throat> even, yes. even the crawling through the air vents with a vest on a dirty vest a, a dirty vest and, and thank no you for providing your own there man <laughs> yes. the, the mental images will live with me for an awful long time <laughs> but no, thank you very much to the Hutton Orbital performers it is traditional we do something silly at this time of year and and, and silly we did oh boy did, silly we did I suppose we ought to get over to something a little bit more sensible I was, just gonna, I was just going to ask well, go on. For, for next year can we have a script <laughs> we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just make it up as we go along again yeah maybe you don't need to 
a, a new Christmas story next year. Maybe one of those other traditional Christmas movies, you know? know. Home Alone? I thought Home Alone. That, that's no, literally it's... 20 minutes of sound effects. I know, it's it's just it's really really hard because what, when we decided to do this one right we, it was sort of like oh wow let's, let's do that one and then we realized that we'd need like 90 percent of it as narration for like he walks yes. down the corridor he shoots his gun you know and there's not that much dialogue in it which was a really really bad choice for our stuff well 20 minutes of dialogue's all right but yeah, yeah 20, home, 20 home minutes alone. of happy christmas you filthy animal would be great <laughs> ho 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 i've got a beam laser yeah um yeah Right, it's time for one more part of the Galnet News Digest, followed by the sports report. So, um, Commander Palantir, are you ready to give us the latest of what isn't latest, but it was old? Poised. You, but old. poised. It was the latest yeah, before. Yeah. It was the latest before this evening. Yeah, exactly. From Commander Wotherspoon and Beetlejude, I think as well. And by the way, Lord Shouty and Draxor, swear jar, please, both of you. <laughs> We're going to be rich. We're going to be rich. Galnet News Digest, review of the year 3306. We recall the news so you don't have to. Part 3. Galactic Politics and Revolutionaries. On the 10th of September 3306, four starports were badly damaged by blasts. Initial reports suggested Thargoid attacks, but it gradually became apparent that although Thargoid technology had been used to wreak such massive damage, the perpetrators were human, imperial subjects in fact, and that this was the opening salvo in a civil war that by the end of the year had come close to causing a war between Federation and Empire. Simultaneously in the Federation, the lengthy inquiry into the Starship One disaster in 3301 came to a conclusion and the findings were distinctly uncomfortable reading for President Hudson. These two stories became intertwined through the last four months of 3306, so it's easiest to look at them together. The Empire of Akinar wasn't originally going to be an empire. The colonisation of Akinar 6D, now known as Capital, was organised and achieved by wealthy anti-federal citizen of Earth in the year 2292. This wealthy individual was Marlin Duval, and her intention was to create a properly democratic, pacifist and people-focused alternative to the industrial behemoth and stifling social conformity of the Federation. The fledgling Republic of Akinar was initially a single colony, but it quickly spread over the surface of the naturally Earth-like moon. It was organised with democratically elected senators to represent the people and a council, in which Marlin Duval herself was prominent as an executive. To some, this Republic of Akinar was the utopia they had long sought, but it had a far shorter life than anyone could have imagined. Just four years after the Republic was founded, Marlin, her partner, and all her children died in a shuttle accident. More than 1,000 years later, the suspicion still lingers that the shuttle accident may have in fact been a targeted assassination, sororicide by the person who assumed control of the ruling council after Marlin's untimely death. Brother, Henson Duval, who took over from Marlin, used the anti-Federation sentiment of the colony to disband the council and replaced it with authoritarian governance. Little by little, the democratic processes were replaced with autocratic ones, ostensibly as a means of handling the perceived threat from the Federation. 
It is widely accepted outside the Empire that Henson also arranged the genocide of the intelligent native species of Akinar 6D, the so-called mudlarks, that Marlin had tried to protect. It was this genocide that gave the Federation a pretext to attempt to subdue the colonists of Akinar, something Henson used to his advantage in taking sole control of government. Twenty-four years later, Henson had himself declared Emperor Henson, the first emperor of the Empire of Akinar. That same year, 2320, the planet was renamed Capitol, and the age of expansion of the Empire began. But the citizens of the Empire, especially those of the outlying systems, have a long memory. Many of them still look back to the short-lived Republic 1,000 years in the past as a better way to organise. They believe there should be no taxation without representation, that each citizen should be valued by what they can contribute rather than by accident of birth. They believe the Republic was stolen from their ancestors by the Duval dynasty all those years ago, and they want it back. These people are known as Marlinists, after Marlin Duval, the founder of the Republic. Like Marlin, they are pacifists, and their campaigns for social and political reform went largely unnoticed. It was a splinter group, the distinctly non-pacifist Neo-Marlinist Liberation Army, that finally brought Marlinism into the spotlight in 3306. Having tricked engineer Liz Ryder into creating a delivery mechanism, this group of terrorists is believed to have established two separate bomb-making factories. They detonated bombs using Thargoid enzymes to cause maximum damage in four stations, including one in Princess Ashling Duval's Semias system. Two days later, they assassinated Princess Ashling's father, Prince Harold Duval, who many feel ought to have become emperor when Hengist died in 3301. It was this assassination that appears finally to have brought the warring branches of the Duval dynasty together behind the Emperor, with Ashling and even would-be usurper Hadrian brought back into the fold following an attempt on his life, and in the face of an external existential threat to the family as a whole. The NMLA continued to attack council buildings and to assassinate minor members of the Duval clan through subsequent months, leading to a rapid, sustained and brutal response from the Empire. The Imperial Internal Security Service attempted to arrest Liz Ryder for her part in the construction of the bombs, although they eventually accepted that she had been an innocent dupe. Senator Petraeus next ordered the IISS to impose martial law in Aquada to detain and interrogate all known Marlinists and thus to identify the terrorists among them. In the face of this oppression, on the 16th of October there began a mass exodus of Marlinists and Marlinist sympathisers from at least eight systems. 234G Carini, Balfa Sine, Beatis, CD-39-3269, Chana, HIP-39470, Mazuensis and Nahuatl. The vast majority of this first wave of refugees fled to federal systems, and President Hudson might easily have sent them all straight back to meet their fate, had he not been at that moment in the middle of a political and criminal meltdown. The report on the attempted assassination of President Jasmina Halsey in 3301, the event that led to Zachary Hudson's rise to federal president, found that there was strong evidence suggesting that the hyperdrive of Starship One had been sabotaged. Federal Navy Chief Technician Rory Webster was implicated and arrested, charged with mass murder and attempted treason. On the 9th of October 3306, 
just days before the flotilla of Marlinist refugees set sail for the Empire. Webster confessed to the sabotage, but explained that he'd been acting on the direct orders of Fleet Admiral Lucas Vincent. The same Admiral Vincent who had destabilised President Halsey by bombing the onion head fields of Capafornassis against her wishes. The same Admiral Vincent, who is a close personal friend of President Hudson. All this coincidence gave Shadow President Felicia Winters all the ammunition she needed to destabilise Hudson. Many congressmen resigned from the Republican Party in protest at Hudson's alleged involvement in murder, losing him his majority. And so, it was Shadow President Winters who was able to decide what would happen to the Marlinist refugees, and she chose to let them stay. Not only that, she granted them temporary federal citizenship, and she refused the Empire's requests for the Marlinists' extradition. But Vice President Winters couldn't stop the Federal Security Service from screening the new Marlinist federal citizens. Out of the hundreds of thousands of refugees, just nine suspected NMLA terrorists were identified and arrested. They were taken to Kepler Orbital in Atropos for questioning, with the intention that they be returned to the Empire for more detailed interrogation. And it was to prevent the return of their members to the Empire, something that would have led to their torture and the discovery of the remaining bomb-making facilities, that the NMLA bombed Federation Starport Kepler Orbital, destroying the secure facilities and killing the detained terrorists. That was the fifth and so far the last starport that has been bombed by the NMLA. There was civil unrest and food shortages in the federal systems where the refugees were being housed, but this was nothing compared with the state of inter-superpower relations. Relations between the Empire and the Federation were now at a worse state than at any time since 3302, when Senator Petraeus said the Empire would no longer abide by the London Treaty on Arms Limitation. Both sides embarked on a round of arms procurement, commissioning a number of new battlecruisers. But it was the surprise intervention of Li Yongri, of the Sirius Corporation and government that seems to have given Empire Federation and the Marlinists a way out. He offered to build new settlements in unoccupied systems in the Hyades sector, where the Marlinists can establish their own free settlements, unhindered by either superpower or indeed by the Alliance, which has started to see increasing numbers of refugees arriving. The eight systems that have been funded are expected to be established very early in 3307. Will this be enough to defuse tensions between the Federation and Empire? Will the Empire be free of Marlinist dissent and NMLA terrorism? Will the Federation be able to shake off the civil unrest and food shortages and get back to run-of-the-mill corporate greed? It's going to be a few months more before Admiral Vincent comes to trial. Will that force a change in federal government? We'll have answers to all these questions in the new year. In the next episode, we'll take a look at what happened to mining during 3306. We'll also discuss possible mergers between ship manufacturers and look at expeditions and races. Thank you again, Commanders Wotherspoon and Beetlejude. Who knew that so much had happened this year?
Obviously, they did, but you know what I mean. Okay, time to see what Mia Harkness has to apologise for this week with the Hutton Sports Report. Welcome to the last Hutton Sports Report of 3306. In fact, looking at the time, it's very nearly the first Hutton Sports Report of 3307. The Hutton Sports Report is sponsored by the Hutton Helper, the only third-party resource to come with a free hollow me of a tall, dark, handsome stranger to be your first foot of 3307. The events, finally, the final events of the year are the Heading into town, half cut, dying for a pee and watching fireworks in the rain, charity shield. The clinking and clanking your way home from the off-licence with a New Year carry-out, Endurance Cup. The New Year getaway, hangover in the sun, season finale. The 1st of January, fresh air will clear the cobwebs, cobwebs, forced march. The canny hodge your drink, fight in the car park, battle royale. And the sharing a taxi home because it's three times the normal price, trophy. The heading into town, half cut, dying for a pee and watching fireworks in the rain, Charity Shield was a close one this week with Zabadian narrowly winning out over Bo Love Petunias. The clinking and clanking your way home from the off licence with a New Year carry out Endurance Cup has had to be postponed and the competitors managed to find Auntie Jeannie's New Year sherry. It completely bloated and they're sleeping it off. The New Year getaway hangover in the sun season finale will be restarted once all competitors have sorted out their customs declarations, filled out the right forms and have provided accurate bum prints to the authorities. The 1st of January, fresh air will clear the cobwebs, force march, was a runaway victory again this week for Alex Zuno. The Canny Hodge Drink fight in the car park, Battle Royale was a close one, but well-earned victory to Bicarb with Shatter Majors runner-up. The sharing a taxi home because it's three times the normal price trophy has been postponed as the taxi still hasn't turned up. So, Hodger wished, listen for the Hogmanay bells and open a windy to let the old year out and the new year in. The classified results are Zebadian, 68. Bo Love Petunias, 65. Chitar Birel, 25. Temerity, 24. Taryn, 4295. 328. Shatter Mage, 232. Alex Zuno, 1,296. Attic 2, 209. Bicarb, 824. Shatter Mage, 781. Numenor, 1379, 305. Queen of Kakari, 2. Thine, 2051 Wanderers, 1. One late finishing result this week for the Miners. Milston Barn has processed 770 tonnes of ore. No one qualifies for a decal this week. Switch that thing off. There have been six Hutton runs recorded this week but none close to Brett Riverwood's record of 1 hour, 22 minutes and 31 seconds. Commander Rumpini did put in a good effort, though, with a time of 1 hour, 23 minutes and 52 seconds. Are you excited for 3307? Do you want a new challenge for the new year that 
that is more realistic than signing up for a gym membership? Do you want to seek fame, fortune and wealth beyond the dreams of avarice? Then just go to hot.forthemug.com and download or sign up for the Hutton Helper. This time next week, you could be decorating your ship with gold and void opals in the shape of Hutton Orbital, while your adoring fans look on. Let's face it, anything has to be better than listening to Old Lang Syne played on accordion and bagpipes again. And that's it from me for 3306. Back to the studio. Thank you, Apology Officer. It's nearly time for the Galnet Food Digest. But first, it's part four of the Galnet Digest Review of the Year. Come to think of it, doesn't that make it regurgitated news? This section was only published a few hours ago. There's only one more part to go after this. I can't wait to see how the year ended. News Digest Review of the Year 3306. We recall the news so you don't have to. Part 4. Mining, Expeditions and Races. The beginning and the end of 3306 saw changes to mining in particular, but also to combat rewards. Competition between ship manufacturers led to some good deals to close the year, but more than anything, this was a year where rank-and-file commanders took charge of what was happening in the galaxy. In the previous episode, we recalled the Art of War Axie initiative and the conclusion of Operation Ida's repairs to damaged stations. There was so much more than that going on. In January, Scribbling Senator Drew Wagar hosted a tour of the galaxy, concentrating on the history of the people, places and the events that made the galaxy what it is now. In February, he declares that he was going to retire, partly in protest at the silencing of Galnet by the authorities. He then came back from retirement in June to lead a trip to the Formidine Rift, and again in October to run an astronomical tour. It is unclear whether he will find other reasons to unretire in 3307, but it seems likely he will, repeatedly. In March, the East India Company, shocked by news of people who clearly were not commanders, hoarding toilet paper and pasta, made all the rare goods and other commodities they normally trade at their trading post completely free for a month. The Deep Space Support Array was announced in April. This initiative, by the end of the year, deployed fleet carriers to all parts of the galaxy so that travellers are never far from a docking pad. At the same time, the Hull Seals put out an appeal for assistance, funding their small fleet of repair carriers. In May, the now-famous Battle for Dunker's Rest started. Really more of a prolonged campaign of attrition, Ed's 38 fought back against a sneaky takeover of the WNL system by New Sinbad. The real concern for most of the galaxy was that biscuit production had to be halted until Ed's 38's control could be restored. The war took place over a number of weeks with key contributions from a number of other factions. New Sinbad fought bravely but eventually the sheer dedication of Ed's 38 led the usurpers to choose to leave the system, and the very best biscuits in the galaxy are, once more, available. Colonia engineers continued to learn their trade with the help of a steady trade from commanders, and can now manage Grade 5 modifications on more modules than engineers in the bubble. 
In September, a prison breakout in the remote Eagle Sector Secure facility gave the Eagle Sector inmates the run of the facility, while the guard were and remain holed up in the shower block behind improvised barricades. Also in September, Evelyn's Light, a memorial to Commander Jello Wiggler's daughter, was unveiled. The age-old mystery of Raxler remains a mystery, but the Turning the Wheel initiative has been investigating whether the faction known as the Dark Wheel can be prompted into releasing information about Raxler in return for a leg up getting them into certain prominent systems around the galaxy, including Lave, Sol, and the currently inaccessible LFT-509, which may or may not be the location of the Dark Wheel starport itself. There were several expeditions in 3306, including the Orio Persian Conflux expedition, which had extra special fun at Waypoint 3 when, after an event with SRVs in a canyon, the fleet attempted to recall its ships, only to see what at first appeared to be fireworks, but turned out to be their ships exploding. The AI on the ships had apparently not encountered canyons of this nature and cheerfully flew the ships straight into the rock walls. There was, however, no Distant Worlds 3 expedition in 3306. The organisers of the Distant Stars and Distant Worlds expeditions are waiting to see what new excitement and discoveries the ability to land on planets with some sort of atmosphere will bring. Something that may or may not lead to an expedition during 3307. Canon Interstellar Research continued its research into the mysteries of the galaxy, although new discoveries were fairly limited. A couple of new phenomena were discovered at Lagrange points, including one, the Q07, which helpfully explodes if you approach it with your ship lights turned on. Canon also discovered two sets of colliding planets, gas giants Rhubarb and Custard in the KOI-413 system in August, and again in December, and the so-called Sinean Rocks in Sinuf WH-FC0, two landable planets that collide every eight days and one hour, to the delight, consternation, and sudden death, in that order, of any commanders who may be landed on either of the colliding bodies. Cannon published a paper detailing all the types of Thargoid surface site, something that may prove extremely useful when the forthcoming Odyssey project completes, and set commanders the Cannon Challenge to visit every known type of life form and notable stellar phenomena in the entire galaxy. Starting in Cannon's home system of Verati, where you can cross humans and scientists off your list, the route zigzags the galaxy, covering an incredible 500,000 light-years from start to finish. Participants are encouraged to take an anorak, a thermos flask full of really hot tea, and some egg and cress sandwiches, in case they get peckish halfway round. In slightly sadder news, the Gnosis, Karen's mobile laboratory, capable of jumping just once per week, was made redundant by the arrival of fleet carriers. It has had all its scientific equipment stripped out and now operates as a tour bus round some of the more spectacular sites near the bubble. Both the Buckyball Racing Club, run by Commander Alec Turner, and the Elite Racers, also run by Commander Alec Turner, staged a number of races and time trials throughout the year. The Buckyballers' Halpy Hand celebrated the Hull Seals. Signs of Life was a sprint round as many life forms that could be visited in less than an hour and keys to the carrier resulted in large numbers of Guardian keys being deposited aboard a fleet carrier. The Buckyballers also hosted a drag race and a Colonia speed run. The Elite Racers races included 
the SRV eight-wheel drive endurance championship, a series of challenging long-distance races, and Commander Sandling achieved a new record in the Okunura Sprint Challenge at just over two minutes start to finish. Commander Primetime Casual hosted the fifth Speedball Championship, called Speedball 4. Unbelievable speeds were achieved hurtling towards planet HR6164 ABC2, and some of the pilots managed to avoid the ground some of the time. Perhaps the oddest trial was the crazy Colonia corrosive cargo caravan, where participants were scored based on the most dangerous corrosive cargo they could ferry to Cannon's deep space research facility in Canonia. Not many commanders entered, but Commander Factabulous is recorded as the winner. Mining had, for well over a year, been by far the easiest way to make a stack of credits. With a single container of Void Opal selling for 1.6 million credits, there was little reason for commanders to do anything else, even if they really didn't enjoy mining. In February, a first attempt was made to sort out market demand for these rare minerals so that if too many tonnes of a commodity was brought into a system at once, it would reduce the price buyers were willing to offer. It didn't seem to work quite right, but it wasn't until fleet carriers were released and overlapping hotspots stopped working the way that they had, that there were major problems. Void opals suddenly became as rare as their price indicated they ought to be, and all the hotspots mysteriously shuffled around to make way for the new mineable commodity, tritium. Painite mining took over as the quick and easy way to make money fast. And there matters rested until November, when the galactic markets recognised that, with the relative difficulty of core asteroid mining, the minerals extracted that way should attract a higher price, except for void opals, which were capped at 1,300,000 credits. Painite and other laser mine commodities saw a steeper drop in price. Also in November, bounties and other rewards for combat were significantly increased, so perhaps mining is no longer quite so financially attractive as it used to be. Although, it's still pretty good. In September, Brewer Corporation funded upgrades to a number of outposts, making them into starports for the easier transfer of tritium to fleet carriers. And in December, with Core Dynamics seeking to take over Lake on Spaceways, both manufacturers started offering discounts on some of their models to improve short-term cash flow. These offers end on the 30th of December. Not to be outdone, the engineers banded together to improve their public image among commanders. As part of this publicity drive, they have made engineering upgrades easier until the 6th of January. But that's beginning to stray into next year. In the final part of this review series of 3306, we'll look at the Odyssey Initiative, what we know now and what we can look forward to in 3307. Good evening. This is Amelia Hawk reporting for the Gullnet Food Digest. I try the galaxy's most rare and dangerous foods, so you don't have to. On this very special evening, the one where we get to say good night to 3306 and good morning to the new year, it's appropriate that we try one of the oldest rares in the galaxy. 
Aruka conventual sweets are a tradition at New Year. Crafted and created by the monks of Aruka and bought from Shipton Orbital. The creation of these rare items harks back before the days of the spacefaring pilot, right back to the very earliest expansions by humanity in Europe, westward to the New World. Confectionery delights were a specialty of the city of Aruka, providing visitors and ship captains leaving on long voyages with a taste of home and a sweet delight that kept them going long after the ship's biscuits had succumbed to the weevil and the alcohol rations dwindled to a tot every two days. With months at sea normal for any intrepid explorer, the monks of Aruka took to hiding messages of inspiration and wisdom within their sweets, little nuggets of knowledge to keep even the most doubting sailor doughty for just one more day. These traditions have been kept alive by the original scions of Aruka. The local population of the system can trace their lineage back to those heady days of exploration to the new world. The sweets themselves are handcrafted, tempered and folded using local plant-based sugars, flavored with fruits and fragrant herbs from the local planet. But the thing that makes them special is the wisdom contained within. I've been given a box of the sweets and just for you and in honor of the end of the year, I'll be sucking my way through a few and pulling the words of wisdom from between my teeth. First, one that no one should ignore. Only a fool breaks the six second rule. Well, wise words if you want to avoid the loop of shame. Never fly without enough to rebuy. Once again, sage advice. Here's a new one on me. Never ever stick your head in anything marked head remover. The sweets should be sucked like a boiled sweet until you reach the note inside, though commanders often find it hard now to chow down and crunch their way to wisdom. Here's another piece of life-saving advice. Never get into an arse-kicking contest with a porcupine. I could munch on these all day long. This kind of advice is invaluable for the Golnet food reporter wanting to stay safe out there. The, the trouble with these sweets, and in fact the danger, is that no one actually ever listens to the advice. Humanity will stick things in its mouth and hope that they don't grow a second head. Those mushrooms, not a chance that you'll end up as a zombie fungus monster. The purple turtle, perfect house pet, clearly, it won't eat your cat. Genetic manipulation, definitely never ends up with dinosaurs attempting to use you as a chew toy. And of course, messing with the ammonia worlds. No Thargoids to see, move along. If I have one piece of advice, having read a whole box of these sweets, it's pay attention to the advice. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Gullnet Food Digest and... Oh my... Oh god, I just read the label on the box. It says, never eat more than three Aruka conventual sweets in any 24-hour period. Oh, I've eaten something that might actually be dangerous. So, you don't have to. 
I'm off to sit and worry for a bit. But see you all in 3307, when we'll be attempting to eat even more dangerous, rare, and occasionally tasty foods. Thank you very much, Amelia. Oh, actually, oh, the, the sweets. I mean, how yeah. many did you eat? How many did you eat? A box. A box. Yeah. You've had a whole box of advice. Yeah. It, it was good advice, is, though. It was all good advice, but I mean, I, I'd be worried about the side effects. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But was, I mean, only a fool breaks the six second rule. I know people go to five occasionally. Some people like seven, and then there's the Never Fly Without Rebuy that nobody ever listens to, do they? They never do, unfortunately, no. and they pay the price every time. Every single time. Um, but I mean, any other advice that, I mean, you've read from these things that we haven't broadcast during the show? I mean, any, well, yes, any sage the, words? There is one sage word that they really should put into this box, and that is never eat a whole box of Aruka conventional never, sweets. Never, ever eat a whole box of Aruka conventional sweets. I mean, those monks put some really, really sage words in there. They don't tell you about the diuretic effect, for they, goodness sake. They missed out the important one. Yeah. Because mean, like does that mean that does that mean that that important message is in the one that's at the bottom of the box, uh, so I'm that you only get to it when you've eaten yeah. all the others? So so and of course you do yes. realize that if they are all a bit diuretic, that you do know what that means they're taking by the time you read read that last bit of advice. It, it does taking... sound like a very Hutton thing to do. Mm -hmm. put the, the last sweet in the box, the one that says never eat all the sweets. No, <laughs> it, it does. It does. Well, look, um, we've got. <coughs> Excuse me. One more. The fifth and final part of the Gallant News Digest came up in a second. Now, I do notice we fired up the Hutton um, Keep You Company Till Midnight Zoom call as well, which uh, Commander Deadmichief, uh, you fired up. I can see you there sitting in front of some of the signs. Is that Hutton or is that the monkey bar? That is Hutton. Uh, I can see Commander Chicks, and I'm very, very jealous of Commander Chicks' moustache as well. And we can see Commander Taran, who seems to have a, a really bright interrogation light on him. So there's just sort of a, a Taran-shaped hole in the scenery at the moment. Um, and uh, Mr. Willis as well. Good evening, Mr. Willis, over on the um, on the Zoom. If you would like, if you're currently in the on-air room and you'd like to join the Zoom call for uh, from now till midnight chit-chat after the show, there is a link. I did meet you. Did put a link over in the on air room chat in TeamSpeak. I did. Yes. Yes. So do feel free to go and join that if you'd like to come and join us. For those of you who are in the stream chat, we will be sharing uh, on the Hutton Facebook. I, I don't think doing it out on streams maybe the smartest idea we've ever had. What, what do you reckon, Dead Meat? There are some scary people on the Twitch stream. Now, I, I don't know. Do you promise not to be scary? Everybody on the on the Twitch stream, but should, should we share with them as well? And we can always we can always like you know, gaff <clears throat> and tape yeah. and cable ties. Go on, yeah, we're going to share with the guys in the stream chat and over on the the Facebook page. I put a post up as well recently, and we're going to invite <clears> people in from after the show to come and join us. Say hi and happy New Year and and like oh thirty three oh six is crap, isn't it? Kind of conversations. So, yeah, if you could share those ones as well, um, we're all going to get into there. While we're doing that, we're going to play the last Galnet 
News Digest Review of 3306. This is a Hutton exclusive. It has not yet been published. So everybody, pay attention. And we'll see you afterwards in here and then in there in the Zoom chat too. News Digest Review of the Year 3306. We recall the news so you don't have to. Part 5. The Way Ahead. Commanders have known for some time that the Pilots' Federation has something big in the works. Some huge change to the way the galaxy works. A change to what their members will be allowed to do. During 3306, we finally got some idea about what this new thing would be. In fact, we got quite a lot of new information. But equally, a huge amount of information is still missing. So, what is this new development? What don't we know about it? The Horizons permit was issued to all commanders in preparation for this big new thing, even if they hadn't paid for it. You can tell who already had the permit because they have a load of pale blue spaceships. You really can't complain about this act of generosity because the Pilots' Federation then organised free memberships, including the Horizon Primate, for anyone who wanted it, in their significantly epic membership drive in November, making completely free the new normal. The first thing we learned back in May was that New Era, as it was called back then, wasn't going to happen in 3306. Instead, and largely due to the Pilots' Federation planet going into outbreak, the release would be pushed back to early 3307. Learning the lesson of squadron carriers, which were released as fleet carriers 30 months after they were announced, it would be prudent to assume that early 3307 might become mid-3307 before the big red button is pushed on New Era. And then, on the 3rd of June, they came out and said it. New Era wasn't New Era at all. New Era was Odyssey. And Odyssey meant commanders finally getting permission to land on planets with atmospheres, and getting permission to get out of their chairs and walk around on planetary surfaces, in planetary bases, in outposts, and in starports. To seek out new life and new civilizations, as well as interesting new species of herbs and other non-sentient life. To boldly enter settlements where no one has gone before. There are, of course, some pretty big caveats. We'll be allowed to land on planets with atmosphere, but not too much atmosphere. Water worlds, ammonia worlds and earth-like worlds will be off-limits. As gravity doubles, so does the amount of effort required to stand up and walk. We won't be walking around on any 10G worlds. We literally won't have the ability to stand up in such a high gravity. And without a pressure suit, we'd end up unconscious with all our blood slumped into our legs. But for those planets we are allowed to set foot on, the first person to step out on them will be recorded forever. And this doesn't just mean planets with atmospheres, of course. We'll be able to get out and explore planetary bases we've already driven round. We'll be able to land on Meteorond Hollow, approach a nicotine penal colony on foot and quite possibly get killed by skimmers. Starports spin on their hub, which means centrifugal gravity. Although the social hubs are so near the rotational hub of the station that the perceived centrifugal force is likely to be minimal. So, using a sippy cup in the bar is strongly advised. In outpost, which do not spin, commanders will be provided with magnetic boots at the airlock by a team of space butlers. It will be considered bad manners to attempt to walk on the walls. 
There will be social hubs in starports, in outposts and in planetary bases where we can buy and upgrade equipment, presumably trade black market goods and take missions. Missions will often involve going to places called settlements, where the inhabitants are likely to get fairly fed up of the steady tramp of adventurers' footsteps, coming to steal the quest object or deactivate the power core or kill the mission target. It's not going to be a happy life, living in a settlement. Incidentally, according to information from the Pilots' Federation, the social hubs in starports will be called spaceports, and the starports will be renamed star bases. That means Coriolis, Orbis and Acellus stations. Outposts will still be called outposts. There will be all sorts of guns, from laser to plasma to kinetic, and there will be different and very stylish away team excursion suits to wear. From the exploration suit with a handy pouch for the Dyson scanner, designed for the budding botanist, to the scavenger suit, designed for people who like to pick locks and find things, to the robocop suit, for people who like to kill people. Suits have shields, but unlike the shields on ships and SRVs, these shields will be off by default because they drain the battery pretty quickly. You also have a little jetpack to help you escape when you fall down a hole and perform party tricks like leaping a tall building in a single bound, gravity permitting. There will be grenades, one for dropping shields, one for penetrating armour and one for raising a temporary protective shield. You presumably use that one on yourself, uh, not on your enemy. For the first time, a team of commanders working together in, in, in what, a wing, physical multi-crew, will be able to work together on foot in service vehicles and in ships all at the same time. We'll be able to ferry each other about. There isn't space Uber nearby. Many people make the mistake of talking about different sorts of SRV. The SRV, or Surface Reconnaissance Vehicle, or buggy, as Lord Braben likes to call it, is one very small part of ground-based transport. We haven't been told what other surface vehicles there will be, but it's likely there will be trucks, armoured and possibly tracked vehicles, perhaps personal transport that is even smaller and lighter than the SRV. And if there are new surface vehicles, of course there will be new spaceships. How can there not be new spaceships? They may not include the fabled Panther Clipper, but by the same token, they may include the fabled Panther Clipper. They may include the Planetary Shuttle, who doesn't miss that singularly useless little transport. Whatever they are, there will be ships that have a use within the new environment. It'll be possible for a whole new breed of commander to live and work their entire career in a single system, with all the missions they undertake local, possibly on the same planet. Owning a spaceship will suddenly become optional. But can you own an SRV if you don't have a spaceship? And of course, many existing commanders will choose to remain in their spaceships and may never meet the new land-based commanders. For most, it's likely to be somewhere in between, sometimes flying a spaceship, sometimes walking around. Variety is the spice of space life, after all. If we can explore Guardian sites on foot, will we find new information about the Guardians we couldn't see from our SRVs? If we get out and walk around the abandoned Inra bases, will they be even more spooky than they are in the drive through version? If we visit the mysterious Thargoid bases in and around the Pleiades, Will we meet Thargoids? Will they be friendly? Once we've met the Thargoids, how will the sad occasion of our untimely death be handled? Will those miracle-cure Vitadine nanomeds be all they're made out to be, restoring us to full health 
from the raspberry jam-like smear that was all the search and rescue party found as our mortal remains. With the new drone-based vanity camera, we'll be able to take pictures of ourselves experiencing the sunset as we stand on a newly discovered alien world. We can call the phenomenon asses in front of things. And so, as we imagine ourselves staring out into the imaginary sunset of an imaginary newly discovered planet in an imaginary galaxy of the future that may or may not materialise during 3307, with a camera droid buzzing behind us, taking pictures that make an unflattering comparison between the size of our buttocks and the setting sun, we say a sad farewell to 3306, a year that ended a lot better than it began, and welcome in 3307, a year full of hope for the future. And that concludes our Galnet News Roundup for 3306. We'll be back very soon with the latest news from 3307. Wow, we that was an entire year. I mean, a whole year in, in what was it, 50 minutes of Galnet News Digest? <laughs> I mean, it, it amazes me every single year how much Hutton truckers get up to and the whole galaxy gets up to and how much fun we have out there and uh, in, enjoying the company, uh, PWP and uh, all of the events and everything else we get up to. It, it's uh, astonishing stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was it was quiet for a very long time and then it's just gone it has so just exploded ahead. at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And we blame AF, don't we? I mean, I know it's the whole team behind AF, but it, it, we blame AF completely. Everything's happening in all of the places. It is. Um, and obviously, Atrus 5060 is busy again, so there's obviously a, a good start to the new year in terms of um, AX combat and all those kind of things. And, yeah, going for gold 2 is on till the 7th of Muggies. Now, the Muggies... The live show is going to be on the 7th, mm-hmm. which is one week from now, which means theoretically we get the evening off, everybody. Woohoo! We do. We do. Yay! Oh, well, we all want to go along and watch it, don't we? Oh, yeah. We're going to watch it, but the responsibility disappears for us for a bit, doesn't it? It's not our fault, I suppose. Is the uh, it's Mister Shouty's fault, Mister Shouty? I've seen you commenting an awful lot in Twitch chat. There, yes, it's all your fault next week. So we can blame you. So um, in terms of in terms of the big of difference the... is when we comment on his stream, he won't care. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't. He never cares. He just he just does that and sticks two fingers up. Um, right. Well, look. Yeah, any, and, anybody and I'd, who's ra- sort of... I'd much rather if he's going to stick those two fingers up, he just stuck them up in the air this time. Yeah. He yeah. Just not, not, in, not in your I ear. Couldn't, what, couldn't walk Do straight for a week. <laughs> well, look, um, b- before before we go, and we're all heading over to Zoom, I, I, can, I can see already the Deadmeat GF and Commander Chicks and Mr. Willis, Mr. Jackman. We have Amelia. We have uh, Tyron over in the Zoom chat at the moment. Um, if anybody does want to come and join us, just to have a bit of company between now and midnight, the Zoom call will be running throughout. Um, the link has been put into the chat. Uh, I think Deadmeat's put it, you put it up there, didn't you? Yes, you did. Bing bong. Yeah, there you go. Um, and we're all sort of congregating there. Don't feel you have to stay in there. It, it's a case of, look, we, we're going to be leaving it running between now and midnight. If you want to stick your head in occasionally a wave, whatever you want to do, it's there if you want to use it. If you're on your own or um, you, you're bored of your family or 
Do you want something else to do? Come and join us in the, the Zoom chat afterwards. Other than that, look, it's been a wonderful year for Hutton stuff. It's been a crappy year for real life. It really has. It's been bloody awful. But um, we've enjoyed your company enormously throughout the entire year and um, seeing all the things you get up to from from your in-game antics to your real life through to your charity antics and everything else. It's been our absolute pleasure throughout the entire year to have you as company. Um and long may it continue. We've got legs. Oh, ping pong, more. We've got space legs coming next year. So there's going to be more Hutton shenanigans coming on. Does anybody else have any notices or important things to say before we go and kill this? Let Sean go back to bed and go to Zoom. Just just one. <laughs> go on then. For the, For the mug. For the mug. Mug. Hang on a sec. Where's my mug? Mug. 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 For the rum. Right, Mug. Sean, please do Mug. say goodnight, say bye-bye to 3306. Oh, perfect. Journey too long, no cargo too small. Profit margins never really mattered at all. We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We're taking anything, anytime, anyway. Loading all the teen out to the brim with the rest for the more. For the more. For the more. For the more. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. For the more. For the more. For the more. For the more. Everybody sing a trucker's song Flossie always seems to crash into the sun Skibble the pilot on the Xbox One Helping out the free, you know he leads us well Trucking across the galaxy now, everybody else. Yeah. For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Everybody sing the trucker's song. For the more, for the more, for the more. You know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Everybody sing the Chokers song Cruising to a world 
journey too long No cargo too small The profit margins never really mattered at all We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today Super cruising all across the Milky Way We're taking anything, anytime, anywhere So shout it out loud like you don't even care For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from Everybody sing the intricate song For the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more Everybody sing the intricate song gentlemen that's the end of the show everybody's buggered off now so 